It is a blessing to be with you this morning. I greet each of you in the name of Jesus. This is an important week on the Christian calendar. This morning is Palm Sunday when we remember the triumphal entry of Christ. This Friday is Good Friday, and then we have Easter on Sunday. So it's a very important week. And this morning, for a message, I want to bring out a word, talk about a word that we use very often in our Christian experience. We've heard it multiple times this morning. Um, We'll hear it this week as we remember Easter. It's the word gospel. This morning I want to talk about the gospel. We talk about accepting the gospel. We talk about spreading the gospel. We have gospel songs. We have gospel literature. We have gospel preaching. We say that the greatest story ever told is the story of the gospel. We say that the answer to the world's problems is the gospel. But what is the gospel? What is the gospel? If you look through the New Testament, you will find this word used almost 100 times. You will find the gospel referred to as the gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of your salvation. It talks about the mystery of the gospel. It talks about the defense of the gospel. Paul talks about being in the bonds of the gospel, the afflictions of the gospel. We read about the truth of the gospel. We have the hope of the gospel. We're told to believe the gospel. There's warnings given to to men who obey not the gospel. But again, what is the gospel? Is this the gospel? We call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the Gospels. Is that the Gospel? Or is it Jesus? What what is the Gospel this morning? And so the title of the message is that, What is the Gospel? And this morning I want this message to be more than just an intellectual exercise, but I want this message to inspire us this morning with the simple truth of the glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a simple truth. It's a simple message this morning that we are going to be looking at. I do want to first consider this word gospel in an intellectual sense. If you go to the Greek, if you go to your Strong's, it's number 2098, and I'll try to pronounce it for you. It's something like euhenglehion is the Greek word gospel. And it simply means a good message, or we typically say good news. The gospel means good news. Now, all of us here like good news. When something exciting happens, we find out maybe you know, something with our business or, or an exciting thing our family is looking forward to or, or whatever it is, we say we have good news, and we all perk up. We're anxious to hear what this good news is. Just this past week, we got an email saying that the school board decided to give the children an extra day off for Easter vacation. It's like, hey, children, good news. You know, you get an extra day off school. So, so these things are good news, but are they the gospel? No, these things aren't the gospel. In fact, if you look in Scripture and you study all the places where the word gospel is used, I believe every time or nearly every time that it's used, it is always speaking 
directly to Jesus or about Jesus and what he has done or what he will do for us. It's not a word that is used in everyday language. It's not a word that replaces good news like we often use good news. And in reality, when you come to understand the good news of the gospel of Jesus, you come to understand that all other good news pales in comparison with the good news of Jesus Christ. So there's another word in the Strong's that's also uh, translated as gospel or different different things in our Bibles, and that's 2097, and it goes something like this, Yuhan Glei Idzo, and that means to announce the good news, especially the gospel. And so an example of this would be when the angels came to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, and it said, they told the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This was the gospel. They were announcing the gospel. And these are the words, these, these two words that I attempted to uh, tell you what they were. These are the words where we get our word evangel from. And so the word evangel means the gospel. And, and then from evangel we get evan, evangelist. And so several weeks ago you had revival meetings and you had an evangelist here. And the duty of an evangelist is to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news. And when you go out and you share the gospel with others, you are an evangelist. You are evangelizing. Um, and so that's where we get those words from, these Greek words, euhen gleion and euhen gleizo. All right. So this word gospel is found more often in Paul's writings than any other New Testament writer, but it is also found numerous times in the gospel, in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I don't think it's found in John. But if you would ask most people to define the gospel, they would go immediately to Paul's writings. And I'm not necessarily being critical of that. Paul explains the gospel very clearly in his writings, and we will be going to some of those this morning. And yet, I think it's important to not diminish what Jesus said about the gospel. Jesus came and preached the gospel long before Paul explained the gospel. And so we, we need to ponder what Jesus said about this as well. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to begin in the gospels. You can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. I don't believe this is the first usage of this word, but it would be one of the first usages of this word Bible of this word gospel in the Bible. And so as we go through this, this message, I'm going to ask for some, um, some response from you. And this will only work if you are alert and awake and paying attention. And so be alert and awake and paying attention. But I'm going to ask you some questions as we go through this message. The gospel means good news. That's, that's what we define it as. And so as we go through this message and we look at Jesus, and we look at what Paul said, I'm going to ask you, is this good news or is this bad news? And then you simply respond, good news or bad news. Okay, And, and all of you can just speak up. It doesn't have to be anything formal. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing that as we go through here. So here in Luke 4, 
This is immediately following the temptations of Jesus. And we read this in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And so now Jesus is going to quote from Isaiah 61. And here is what Isaiah had prophesied. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And so Jesus here is quoting from Isaiah. Isaiah had prophesied about Jesus. He had prophesied that a Messiah would come and that he would bring these good tidings, which is the gospel. I believe in Isaiah it's called good, good tidings. But what did Isaiah say that the Messiah would find when he came? It says that he would find broken-hearted people. He would find captives. He would find blind people. He would find bruised people. Now, does this sound like good news or bad news? Brokenhearted, bruised, blind, captives. Good news or bad news? That's bad news. That's bad news. And what's really bad news is that these people couldn't save themselves. They had nothing they could do about their condition. But Jesus brings to these people the gospel. And what does the gospel bring? It says it brings healing to the brokenhearted. It brings deliverance to the captives. It brings sight to the blind. And it brings liberty to those who are bruised. Now, is this good news or bad news, Danny? That's good news. Yeah, good job. And why did the good news happen? Because Jesus came. Jesus came and brought good news to this terrible situation that couldn't be redeemed any other way. Jesus came and brought the good news. Now turn back to Matthew chapter 4. Chronologically, this is shortly after the account we just read in Luke chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. So here again, We have Jesus coming on the scene and we find sickness, we find demons, we find lunatics, crazy, messed up people. Good news or bad news? 
That's bad news. But Jesus comes on the scene with the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And what does he do? It says he healed them. Is that good news or bad news? That's good news. Thank you. And why did this good news happen? Because Jesus came. Jesus came with the gospel and redeemed this situation. And we could go on through the, the, the ministry of Jesus and we could look at many other examples. As Jesus went, he found all these broken people, just like Isaiah prophesied. He found a woman with an issue of blood. She had tried for years to heal herself. She had went to doctors and there was nothing they could do. But she came to Jesus. She touched the hem of his garment. And she was made whole from that very hour. We could look at the centurion's daughter. And we see what Jesus did for that situation that was, that was hopeless. There was nothing they could do. And Jesus healed her. We could look at Lazarus. Dead. Grave clothes wrapped around him. For four days. But Jesus brought life to Lazarus. We could look at the ten lepers. We could, look, we could go on and on. We could look at the demon-possessed people. And what we would find in everyone is that the gospel changes lives. The gospel does for people what nothing else could do. The blind man couldn't make himself see. The demon-possessed man couldn't free himself from the grasp of Satan. Lazarus couldn't raise himself from the grave. But Jesus came and did... He came with the good news of the gospel... And did that which was impossible for man to do on his own strength. And that is good news. And so the essence of the gospel that we find in Jesus' ministry is that mankind has a need that he cannot meet on his own strength. But Jesus came to meet that need. Jesus came to do for us what, we were, what was impossible to do on our own strength. I want to go now to Paul's letters. Paul talks much about the gospel. You can turn first to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to look at just several, what I call gospel in a nutshell passages. Several places where Paul lays out the gospel. And it's not necess- there's not necessarily any one passage you could go to and say this is the gospel in its full extent. And I don't know that any of us will fully understand the reality of the gospel in its full extent, this side of eternity. But yet we have these gospel in a nutshell. And here's one of them, 1 Corinthians 15. This is probably one of the more common gospel in a nutshell passages. It says this, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. So Paul's saying, here's the gospel. So let's read on, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, and then here it is, here's the gospel which he preached unto them, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And so that is the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus died, he was buried, 
and he rose again. And verse 3 makes this very personal to each of us. It says, Christ died for our sins. That's, that's me. That's each of you here today. That's why Christ died. He died for the sins of the world, but, but this says he died for our sins. He died for your sins. And, and so we, you know, the, the question is asked, are we sinners because we sin, or do we sin because we're sinners? And, and the answer is we sin because we are sinners. We all have inherited that sin nature, and yet we are condemned before God, not for Adam's sin, but for our sin. We all have sinned. We are condemned before God because of our sin, and Christ died for our sin. He, cried, he died for your sin. He died for my sin. That's good news. That's good news, dear people. We are saved, verse, I believe it's 2, says, this is how we are saved. We are saved by this good news. Alright, now I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 1. I'm not going to spend much time on any of these passages. Galatians 1, we have another gospel in a nutshell. I'm going to start with verse 3. Galatians 1 verse 3, it says this, Grace be unto you in peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to be talking about Jesus. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins. Who gave himself for our sins. Now, this is just an extension of the Sunday school lesson. Maybe it's not even an extension. It's just... Uh, it's, it's what we looked at in Sunday school. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Okay, so where were we? This says that we were sinners and we were in bondage to this present evil world. Is this good news or bad news? That's bad news. Okay, but what did Jesus do for us? He gave himself for our sins that he might bring us out. He might deliver us from this present evil world. Is that good news or bad news? That's good news. Thank you. And so Paul says in verse 5, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that should be our response to that good news. Simply worshiping the one who delivered us, who brought us out who brought us salvation, who salvaged us from that pile of rubble that we were in. And then he says, verse 6, I marvel that ye are so so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And so here we have Paul referencing something else besides the true gospel. It's another gospel. And if you read on in Galatians, you find what that other gospel is. And it's a picture of one who was trying to earn his salvation through the works of the law. And Paul calls that another gospel. We can't save ourselves. It is through the work of Christ that we are brought out. We are delivered from our sins. All right, now I'm going to go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm just going to read two verses here if you just want to listen. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says this, again speaking of Jesus, who hath saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath, here's what Jesus did, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light. How? Through the gospel. That sounds like good news to me. And we're not going to break that passage down other than just saying he saved us not because of what we did, but because of of his plan for us, his purpose and grace for us. He sent Jesus. He and it was it was his plan before the creation of the world, it says. And now Jesus came, he has appeared, he's abolished death, and he's brought light, life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's good news. All right, and then Ephesians 2. This is probably one of my favorite ones. Ephesians 2 lays out this gospel very clearly. It begins with three verses talking about who we were before Christ, the condition we were in. All right, Ephesians 2, I'm going to start with verse 1. It says this, And you, and you can just go ahead and stick your name in there because it would apply, you hath he quickened, he being Jesus, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Good news or bad news? That's bad news. That's where all of us were. Verse 4, but God. But God who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us. Even when we were in this terrible condition, even when we were dead in sins, He hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Is that good news or bad news? That's good news. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And the good news just continues to come. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And dear people, that's good news. Verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And that passage just shows us the the wretched, hopeless condition that we were in before Christ. You hath he quickened, or you hath he brought to life who were dead. In trespasses and sins. And it just goes on to paint that picture of depravity that we found ourselves in, that wretched condition, that hopeless condition that we found ourselves in. And we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't save ourselves any more than a blind man could make himself see or a dead man could make himself live. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us even when we were in this condition, hath brought us to life 
through Christ, hath quickened us together through Christ. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then one more gospel in a nutshell. This one is from Peter, 1 Peter 1. I'm going to start with verse 18. It says this. 1 Peter 1, verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, you weren't redeemed with those things. We weren't saved by the things that we normally save ourselves with, you know, our money, our strength, our, our successes, all those things. We're not redeemed with those things, but rather, verse 19, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Very personal. For you. For all of you. Verse 21. Who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Not in those corruptible things, but in God. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. We were in a condition that we couldn't save ourselves from. And yet God in His love, God in His mercy, before the foundation of the world, foreordained that there would be a way that we could become right with God. We could stand before God justified. A clean slate. A child of God. And it's because of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, that we can have that hope. And none of these passages, like I said, none of these passages give us a complete understanding of all that the gospel includes. But what we do see in these passages is that man is fallen. Man is unable to save himself. Man deserves eternal separation from God. But God in His love and God in His mercy sent a Savior. Jesus shed His blood So that I could be right. I could be justified before God. Is that good news or bad news? That's good news. If you think back to these stories we looked at in the Gospels. You know the blind man knew without a doubt that he needed Jesus. He knew it. There was nothing else he could do. He had no other hope. He knew he needed Jesus The woman with the issue of blood, she had tried to save herself. But she couldn't. There was nothing she could do. She knew she needed Jesus. And that's why she pressed through the crowd. The lepers had a death sentence on their head. They knew they needed Jesus. Chains couldn't bind the demon-possessed man. And whether he would admit it or not, he needed Jesus. And Jesus came and brought good news to these people who were hopeless. This morning the question is, what about you? And what about me? Do you know 
Do you understand your need of Jesus? Do you appreciate the work of Jesus on your behalf? Do you understand your condition without Jesus? You know, most of us here really aren't that bad. Are we? Without Jesus, we are. Without Jesus, we are, of all men, most miserable. We all need Jesus. And so this morning, why is the gospel good news for you? Why is it good news for you? Someone tell me what Romans 3.23 says. It's the first road on the gospel road to salvation. For all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not the only verse that tells us that. Galatians 3, verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. Does that include you? Yes. Does it include me? Yes. Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. It includes all of us. There's no one in this room that can say that I am a perfect person. I have not sinned. I am I don't need Jesus. None of us can say that. All have sinned. Now why does that matter? Someone tell me what Romans 6, 23 says. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so you're a sinner, And the penalty for sin is death. That's what we've concluded. Is that good news or bad news? That's bad news. Okay. That's bad news. You are a sinner. The penalty for sin is death. But the rest of Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Now we don't talk about the wrath of God a whole lot. But if you would study in the Bible what happens when the wrath of God is poured out upon a people what you will see is that no one can stand under the wrath of God. There is no one strong enough. There is no group. There is no nation. There is no weapon strong enough to stand under the wrath of God. And Romans 5 verse 9 says that we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And so the wrath of God was, was on us. It was, we were doomed to the wrath of God but we are saved from, the, from wrath through Him. And so an example of, of this is in the Old Testament, you know, Korah, Datham, and Abira. These men, they thought they had things in order, they had people around them, and, and yet they rebelled against God. The wrath of God was poured out upon them. And what happened? The earth just opened up and swallowed them. And they were done. That's the wrath of God. And you see that different times throughout the Old Testament. But you also see this beautiful picture of Christ. Different times when Moses stood between the wrath of God 
and humanity. And there's a verse in Psalms that says this. This is Psalm 106, verse 23. It says, Therefore he said that he would destroy them. That's God speaking. He said he would destroy them had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he should destroy him. And so you have this picture of humanity that has rebelled against God. You have this picture of God who is angry, ready to wipe them off the face of the earth. And in the middle, you have Moses interceding for this people. And so what does God do? Does he, got, does he pour out his wrath on Moses? No, he didn't do that. Does he just overlook the sin? No, he doesn't do that either. The wicked were still judged. And yet, God did, in a sense, turn away his wrath and continue to have mercy on this people. And it's a beautiful picture of Jesus. Us on this side, the wrath of God here, and Jesus interceding for us. And I don't completely understand all that, and I'm not, I'm not even going to try to explain it, but it's, it's a beautiful and, a, and a, a picture that should cause us to worship the one who intercedes for us today. All right, so what is the gospel? It is Jesus sent to this earth by the love of the Father, coming and shedding his blood as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of mankind. He provided salvation for us when we had no way to save ourselves. The wages of sin was death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So how do we receive this great salvation that is offered to us by God through Jesus Christ? Romans 10 verse 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Again, let's make that personal to you. If you confess with your mouth, that's outward. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart. That's an inward experience. You believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. You can be saved. You can experience this work of the gospel in your life. So do you believe the gospel? If you do not believe that you are a sinner, then you can't be saved. God doesn't save people that doesn't recognize their need of a Savior. So you have to believe. You have to believe that you are a sinner. You have to believe the reality of your sin, that your sin separates you from God. You have to believe that. You have to believe that you can't save yourself, that Jesus is your only hope. You have to believe that or you will never receive the gospel. Do you believe in your heart? I was speaking to someone just not long ago. This was our milk tester. It's, a, it's an older lady. And we were somehow got into just uh, spiritual things and, and our concept of God. And she told me, she said, that well, she acknowledged that she believes in a higher power. And she believes that we are accountable to this higher power. And so she tries to live a morally good life and, and, and tries to do good things. And, and she, she thinks that that, that will be okay. She's, she's pretty confident that that will be enough. And so, you know, how do you respond to someone like that? I, I told her that I agreed with her on her first two points. That I believe there's a higher power. And I believe that we are accountable to that higher power. But I disagree on her third point. 
Our good deeds will never justify us before God. We need to believe that or we'll never receive the gospel. We must believe that Jesus is our only hope. And then it says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Can you look your old friends in the eyes and say, I don't do what I used to do. Jesus is Lord. I don't go where I used to go. Jesus is Lord. I'm not who I used to be. Jesus is Lord. Can you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus? If you claim to believe, but your salvation has not produced a life of holiness then you have not truly accepted the gospel. And dear people, if you have not accepted the gospel, then I have bad news for you. You are lost, and you are headed for eternal damnation in hell. That's bad news, if you have not accepted the gospel. But I also have good news for you. Jesus is your only hope. Jesus died for you. Jesus shed His blood for you. He paid the wages of sin for you. John 3.16, you all know it, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him, the whole world through Him might be saved. If you believe and you confess that Jesus is Lord. And for those of you who have accepted the gospel of salvation, now Jesus commissions you, calls you to spread the gospel. Take this message of the gospel to a lost and dying world around you. I saw a t-shirt one time that said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. Okay? There's a lost and dying world out there, many who have never heard the gospel. And the gospel is not good news if it doesn't get there. And so if the work of the gospel is a reality in your life, then God calls you to go and take that good news to a lost and dying world around you. Romans 10 says, this is in verse 15, it says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. That's an evangelist. Preach the gospel of peace. And each of you are called to be an evangelist, by the way. To take the gospel, to take the good tidings, the glad tidings of good things, and share it with a lost and dying world. I want to close with one very important verse from Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 16, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why would you be ashamed of good news? How often is there good news and you're ashamed to tell your friends? You're ashamed to tell your family? Oh man, I got a raise at work, <laughs> you know? Well, I guess I got that buck I was chasing, you know? Don't tell anybody. But no, I'm not ashamed of the good news, of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's good news and it's available to all. Shall we have a song?